Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Woohoo! <laughs> All right. I know that uh, the sound of Swinging 60s makes you think, wait a second, this isn't the Austin Powers podcast. And you're right. What we have here is a new and different format for Filmatic that we're trying to basically kind of test out, test the waters, let's see how we do. And of course, I'm here today with the one of the greatest minds I've ever met, Sam Moss. How are you? It's it's great to be here. I, I appreciate the intro. Of course, of course. And alongside him, we have Evan Lamolier back once again. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Pretty good. Just uh, just hanging out, you know, drinking some kratom. Gonna have a good night with my friends, talking about. Who knows what? What are we talking about today, Nabil? Well, we're talking about all sorts of things today, but unfortunately, before I can uh, continue with that interesting question, I have to introduce Ben Casey. Ben Casey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Evan, I, I noticed uh, uh, what you tried to do there. Uh, you know, just I was hoping you out of the introduction. Uh, <laughs> like, I am like, I've. I don't know if you personally, Evan, have had people come up to you and tell you that you they like what you had to say on the podcast, but I have, so. And it's oh. funny because I'm the one, this is my podcast and no one said that to me, so. <laughs> <laughs> what can you I know. say? I'm a valued guest, even if not by you, Nabil, all right? So oh. um, my name is oh. Ben Casey. You got me. I'm ready to talk. All right. Guys, today we're here and I'm here to talk about not just anything and everything. I want to keep us on track with movies, but at the same, same time, I want to try to broach or uh, kind of get into more philosophical uh, kind of taking these themes and ideas from film and hearing our thoughts on it on an existential level or whatever level we want to take it to. And that's why I thought it was so pertinent to bring Sam Moss on for this because unironically, I really, I really do think that I've had some of the most interesting conversations in my uh, young adult life with Sam Moss in high school and following. So that kind of prompted me. And of course we have, uh, I mean, all of us can kind of bring our own takes to it too. But I think Sam has this quality that we all have in us coming from where we came from, from high school. But Sam especially, you have this thing where uh, I feel like rambling is putting it kind of uh, in a negative connotation. But you have this ability to kind of just take an idea and you go into like, you know, three or four different ways with it. And I think that that would just be really good um, content. So that's 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 what was my intention for this podcast. Well, yeah, I appreciate you uh, you having me on. I uh, I like to sit down and kind of just kind of flesh out an idea in, in a bunch of different possible ways and really kind of evaluate what it what the idea means at its core. But not only that, but like how an idea kind of applies to life. And one of the most fascinating things about life is experiences are different. So the way I can process certain emotions, the way I process certain experiences are going to be much different than the way you process certain experiences. That doesn't mean that mine is valued less than yours. That doesn't mean any Of of ours is greater due to any number of factors it just means we have different experiences in life and i feel like it's very important to kind of sit here and share so we can for lack of better term gather more knowledge uh, because that's really what uh i think is the most beautiful thing about life is just 
kind of exploring the the nature of the world around us and kind of gaining as much experience uh, through not only through an individual's eyes but through others' eyes because there's a lot to see and you can't see it alone. It takes mm-hmm. takes a bunch to. Uh, yeah, that's a, a really good point, uh, and I kind of want to be clear about that. Is like, and you said it so eloquently, is that all our values are and our perspectives are uh, none, none is greater than the other. Just right off the bat, I know I'm doing a little bit of a, I did a little Sam Moss kind of jerk off thing in the beginning, but I, I'm just trying to hype our guest. That's all. And um, if I wanted, if I wanted a non-equal um, value thing, well, Connor's not here, so we don't. We're all on the same level. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, that's a little just, brutal. That's a little yeah, brutal. Just, yeah, I don't know. I might cut that. I don't know. I just thought, I thought we were hitting on ben, hitting off of Ben too much, so I, I thought I'd use a Connor one. But <laughs> anyway, something that Sam and I kind of started talking about that I love to for us to start off with um, and kind of see how we can apply that to film, maybe more so me and Evan because we we have more uh, expertise in that arena. Oh, all right. Yeah, expertise. Like I said, expertise right. meaning we've just seen more movies because that's <laughs> what we do. Like you know, but anyway, that topic being the five stages of grief, and uh, I'll go ahead and tell you what those are. Um, of course, we have denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Uh, does anyone want to start with that topic? I um, I actually will if, if that's all right. Sure. Um, really. Uh, you can see the five stages of grief applied to any major decision that you have in your life, whether it's subconsciously or whether you can actively see yourself going through each individual stage. Um, just taking a step back and looking at not only the emotions you're going through, but kind of looking at the actions you're making really helps you understand that the five stages of grief are one of the most integral parts of subconscious decision-making, as well as trying to achieve happiness on a micro scale on your day-to-day life. It's, I believe that each of these kind of um, gives a, an individual the ability to, to break down their actions and to kind of explain it to themselves in a way that allows them to be a little bit happier. Because if you're going through a lot of anger and you can't necessarily pinpoint the root cause, it's uh, it's very important to kind of step back and evaluate what's going on. Why why am I so angry? Why do I feel this way? And I feel like that can be tied in to to a plethora of other emotions. So that's why um, I was very keen on kind of bringing up this topic. Yeah, it's definitely a profound thing that i think that because it's a often i mean it's a numerical thing you know five stages and i think that people make the mistake of uh assigning at a very surface level kind of value in understanding and i think that one of the great ways that film deals with this is you know when you're telling a story it is it can be easy to just kind of throw these things um onto it again as i was on a surface level but you're telling a good story these things will be there in many ways that you wouldn't even realize until you really analyze the movie after or if you're kind of re-watch it after and there's many different examples but uh does anyone film that they off the top of your head maybe you do maybe you don't evan or ben specifically um 
is there any film that you can think of that made you either think of those things, had those things, or you associate with that concept? You mean, like, grief in general? Well, not just grief in general, but how how a movie can use grief um, kind of in tandem with those other things. And it doesn't have to have everything. You know, not every movie is going to have five set stages of, uh, of that, you know? But is there, like, personally... Oh, not personally, but okay, here's one that I hear a lot. I've heard a lot online. Um, that I don't know if I agree with. Uh, I, I know that a lot of us have uh, very strong opinions about Avengers Endgame. But uh, <laughs> you go on any of these of these uh, Marvel uh, sites, accounts, social medias, you see the thing that says, and I'm, I'm going to quote it here. Cause, uh, after seeing Endgame, I realized that this scene after Black Widow dies, each of the remaining original Avengers represent... This five stages of grief. Denial. Thor. Because he didn't accept she was dead. And saying they have to have the stones to bring her back. Anger. Hulk. Because he throws a bench. (laughs) Bargaining. Because he says it should have been him. Depression. Steve. Because he's silent and crying. And acceptance is Tony because he asked if she had family. Um. (laughs) Here, I actually... um... (laughs) <laughs> Not to uh, divert our attention from Avengers, I just found an interesting article: how John Wick movies represent the five stages of grief. <laughs> um, I'm actually gonna go a little off topic here. Um, sure. I'm I'm not a movie aficionado by any means, but one that I feel exemplifies the stages of grief pretty pretty well is Manchester by the Sea. Ooh, okay. I haven't seen that. that Manchester by that the either. Sea is phenomenal. Yeah, it, it is. is. It is one of my favorite movies. Um, long story short, he loses his brother and is essentially just dealing with the uh, with the outcomes of his brother's death. And it's it's gut wrenching to see the effect that loss can have on somebody. Yeah, I think that uh, those kind of dramas um, that are very introspective and you know, require these great performances, you know, Manchester by the Sea, Casey Affleck, uh, those can definitely bring out that side of uh, grief in a much more subtle way. Subtle meaning not necessarily that the grief is subtle. I mean, you know, it's very overt events that are happening in the movie. But it's not even, it's not just about showing the things, right? It's about how the characters or the setting deals with those things, you know? And in Manchester by the Sea, I think that what you see is uh, a character returning to a setting they had pre-grief and then dealing with uh, grief, going through those stages of uh, those stages of grief um, in the movie through that setting that was previously known. So I think that was a really interesting take on how to how to deal with that system. You know? Yeah. Um, I'd say that both of these recent like Ari Aster horror films have had grief uh as you know grief is like definitely a big theme in those um i i've only seen midsummer once and it was it was last year so i I can't say like i remember all too much about it but um i know it starts with like the the main protagonist her family has just died and like she's you know going on this trip with her boyfriend who she's kind of having you know like relationship struggles with out to uh the uh the midsummer festival that's uh yeah that's all i really remember (laughs) so (laughs) 
So yeah, there there is confirmed grief in that movie. And <laughs> and also what what I am so fascinated about with the uh, five stages of grief is just um, the individual aspects. I want to uh, I don't mean to cut you off, Ben, but what I would challenge you guys to do is pick out an individual aspect that you most closely related to today, and just kind of explicate how you went through that emotion and kind of why you went through it and my my challenge to each one of you is to not necessarily psychoanalyze yourself but to sit down and and try to understand yourself a little bit better because this is one of the tools or one of the methods I use to to really try to not necessarily feel like myself but feel comfortable in my own skin because I've I've dealt with uh, some some pretty bad stuff over the years. I've I've dealt with some some pretty terrible moments, and living with myself is a challenge day to day. And I I just um I would like to hear you guys uh, talk about one of these uh one of these emotions how it applies to you, and um and as a follow up question, how do you guys how do you guys deal with your emotions day to day? How do you guys kind of live with yourself i know that's a lot to unpack i know it's definitely a a loaded (laughs) question especially for i think uh our group our our circle um i think a lot of us are uh have been or are struggling um along that path but i think that um what i found recently is I, i don't think i ever really got to an anger stage in my own kind of path but and I'm sure, not saying that there aren't times when I've been angry, you know, at myself or at whatever. But I think that more recently, I do have a more general sense of anger towards, not again, not just myself, but my situations. And I guess that it kind of surprises me when I'm realizing it. And even when I'm talking about it and realizing it more, um, because that's just not something that I kind of associated with myself. You know, I'm not saying it's wrong to be angry or to have that. You know? I well, I understand that. Um, it's all a learning experience. Um, the older you get, obviously, the more kind of knowledge you gain over time. Um, and anger is one of those emotions that isn't easy to deal with because it's it's you almost feel guilty feeling angry. It's it's one of those emotions that's that's kind of universally seen as bad. Uh, seen as a negative emotion that you shouldn't feel, which I disagree with. I think anger, and and let me rephrase this, I think in certain ways, anger can be expressed in a good way. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think it's a bad thing, and you may not see yourself as as being an angry guy, but anger is, in my opinion, it's a good thing because it shows that you desire change in your life. It shows mm-hmm. that you want something to change, rather than being complacent. You're you're seeking you're seeking something different, and I think that is a huge step towards not only self betterment but being happier in general. And it, and that's why I I think anger is is a positive emotion in some senses. Now, obviously, anger when you like in terms of domestic violence or any anything like that, that's a whole different equation. But mm-hmm. it, it, like, if you're angry at your own situation, if you're angry at yourself, well, it's, it's a good thing because it shows that you hold yourself to higher standards than 
you let yourself stoop to and you should try to kind of channel that and focus on how you can make yourself better yeah that's a good point i didn't really think about it like that um i agree i I think that's really cool to put it that way i guess um because i think personally i have a lot of trouble um letting myself feel angry but also like I guess I just don't know exactly how to word it, but... Um, I mean, I played Rocket League with you before, so... All right, listen, but that's what I'm... Okay. <laughs> that's, that's actually what I'm getting to, is, like, I can feel angry over, like, um, small things. Um, and I don't even think it's, like, yeah, trivial things. I don't even think... I don't think that's real anger, like, you know, ha- like, you're playing a game or something, like, half the time yeah. I'm playing into it. I'm, I don't actually hate Connor. Um, even though he oh, sucks yes, I, at I do not rush. actually hate Connor. Yeah, uh, <laughs> he sucks ass at every every game, every game. <laughs> but um, you know, I I find like the bigger things. It is kind of hard for me to um, feel angry about them, and I don't I don't know necessarily. Like I think that just on certain things that it comes to, um, the reason why I don't anymore is because I have moved past them um i have moved past that stage of grief and i guess it's kind of sometimes hard to realize like that's okay um and like recognize that like if i have reached a point of like oftentimes depression but like if you know there are some things in my life um whether it's like you know things that are so far gone that i can't really control anymore or, um, you know, I, I think often, like, situations with my parents, um, I think I have reached acceptance with those. And I should be proud of that. Um, because it is, it's a progression. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That's um, obviously dealing with um, emotions from family is, uh, that's a completely different animal. Um, and... I have got to say, Ben, from, from I say, one man to another, but really one human to another, I am extremely proud of you for being able to accept that. Because I have gone years and years and years, and I still can't accept some of the shit that's happened in my house. Right? It's uh, like, you know, it with things like that, I think that's one thing I can to point to. And I feel like for years... I felt so angry about it that it almost feels weird once you finally reach a certain point and you no longer are. And, and that's where I'm at. You know, I, I, you know, not to put too much, I, I don't know who's going to listen to this, but, um, you know, my, my sister has listened to it before, but you know, she, um, I think she still feels like, um, I don't think she's gotten to the point of acceptance with some stuff with our parents yet. And I talked to her about it and she asked me like, um, like how are you how does this not bother you and it almost makes me feel not that she's doing anything wrong by asking me that but um it almost makes me feel like why am i not you know why am i not so upset about this because i was angry for so long i felt so heated about it for so long and then i finally just accepted that you know what's happened in the past happened and i just need to realize that people are flawed um and I can't change those flaws, and I can only focus on myself in that aspect um, related to family. So, you know, and I think it just takes time, and um, you'll get there too. And, 
that acceptance will come. Yeah, it's um, it's a very different. Uh, it's two different animals. Like really finding acceptance with yourself and finding acceptance of others. Um, For sure. Because I can sit here and I can be happy with myself, but then I look at those around me and I and I have trouble. I have trouble accepting others' actions. I I have trouble accepting others' words. Um, so uh, you have made a monumental progress uh, with your family. I am I am proud of you. Um, and mm. beyond that, I think with your sister, time will uh, time will change. Her anger. Uh, time changes a lot of things, but specifically the anger and resentment, it will change. I know personally, um, if we want to relate it back to um, the five stages of grief, uh, when I have dealt with the issues with my brother, um, I'm still in the, um, I've kind of jumped around. I didn't go exactly through the five stages in order. I kind of went into a severe depression. Um, where I just kind of shut down for years and years and years. Um, I was actually, uh, I was actually saved by that from that depression uh, by somebody very close to me, um, and I will still be appreciative of that today. And then after uh, I got out of that, I started kind of getting really angry, and I've been angry ever since. Just angry that he can't change. Angry that I can't change him angry that nothing has been done to kind of motivate him to want to live a better life than he does. But, you know, um, like I said, time will hopefully change and move me towards accepting him for the man he is um, and accepting him for his flaws because that's blood. You can't change blood. Conversation, just to kind of, I don't mean to undermine the very personal um, aspects of what we're talking about, but to kind of bring this into the to the movie thing, not not to I'm not just saying it like it's a task, like I have to, you know, link into movies because it's what I have to do. I mean, it's sort of what I have to do. I don't have to do anything. This is my podcast. My point is, I I think that film really can have a play in this conversation, even if movies are just movies. You know, it it can still have a something we can learn from on some level, whether it means to or not. You know, so you know we were talking about anger and family and the situations that kind of put those two things together. And I'm, and I think about it and I'm like, you know, anger with and towards and among family is a, actually a, a major drive in, in many films that I think that help the film become more profound. And, you know, you take something on the lower spectrum where like, okay, knives out, right? Everything that happens in that movie, which happens to be a whodunit uh, movie but it all stems, and the lesson in the end is about family, right? It's all about the family members being angry at each other and angry that they aren't getting inheritance, and they fight, they're constantly fighting and bickering, and there is a lesson in there, you know? I don't know how many people have seen Knives Out, but mm-hmm. right. we can, yeah, we can expand upon that if, if we want, but... Yeah, actually, that one's good. Um, um, I really like the, the kind of, this kind of motif of, like, not only grief and family in Knives Out, but, like, just uh you know actually caring about your family and like not uh dude i don't don't know where i'm going with this i've been so quiet this time like this whole fucking podcast i don't mean it's okay i mean like talk about i I think that we were we we just are coming into this like i said the first time we're doing something like this and we're opening ourselves up on a on this podcast 
to a different level than we had before. And maybe some people will like that, maybe some won't, but I think that it really will yeah, enhance I'm not our an open person usually, so this yeah. is kind of like And you can you know, you can share as much as you want and you're not being forced. Well um can you guys hear me all right? I just yeah. had fun. Um Evan, I'm going to uh extend the, the question to you uh as well. I uh as soon as we finish this uh, little discussion on knives out, I want you to think about how the five stages of grief applied to your life could be on a macro scale or, or it could be just today, but uh, just, um, I, I live with you and I understand that you're not very kind of open with your emotions. And I'm, I would like you to kind of challenge yourself to try a little bit, just little by little. I might like kind it. Of work on it. Yeah. Um, I guess, yeah, so while he's thinking about that, just to kind of wrap up where I was going with Knives Out is, like, and what prompted me to kind of launch from there is, like, violent acts, all, well, let me expand that, all acts um, are born out of something to me, especially in film, right? Um, can be born out of will, can be born out of uh, want, can be born out of love, and I think that what I'm getting at to link it back to our anger discussion is like terrible acts can be born out of anger too and that goes into what sam was saying about the other the other side of the coin with how you deal with it and you know knives out there's murder in joker there's a lot of murder um <laughs> i don't know how many people here have seen joker. the departed oh. <laughs> actually let's 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 go back you want to say anything about joker and anger and murder ben yeah uh with the election coming out around, <laughs> um you know like, obviously, we don't want anything violent to happen. That's not what I'm going to advocate on this podcast. But, I mean, it does make a it does make a good point in that movie. You know, a lot of people want to say, it's an incel film. Okay, maybe it's an incel film. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I think it makes really good social commentary on action and reaction and specifically um, build up over years of this kind of feeling by society of being pushed down by an upper class um, mm. that leads to a sort of uprising. And sometimes that is violent. Um, and we've seen that over the summer with, you know, some, some riots that get a lot out of hand. I think that it's a natural response. Um, mm-hmm. And um, when people, you know, have been put down for so long, um, they get sick and tired of the status quo and unfortunately sometimes that leads to something that you see in um you know joker where um you know he stands he's kind of a symbol or a martyr for this lower class of people in gotham but um it, you know that's applicable to real life too i mean the, the reason why people voted for donald trump and why many people have voted for him again um, you know, everybody has their own reasons, but um, I would say that a majority of people voted for him because they're tired of the status quo. They're tired of both Republicans and Democrats um, not representing them. And they felt, um, whether rightfully so or not, um, in my, you know, he proposed himself as someone who could represent them. And... Um, I think he has done a lot of harm, and I am in no way fucking advocating for him. Um, But you have to look... To be able to understand how we can keep this from happening, 
you have to look at why it happened. Mm -hmm. If you're choosing to just go with the status quo and um, continue the same routine of thought that, you know, we, we need this like moderate um, thinking where Democrats and Republicans both really only pay attention to their corporate interests and don't pay to the people, you're going to have um, violence, and I use the term violence um, in terms of just outbursts of emotion on both sides. And that leads to different things. Leads to riots, leads to people electing a fascist who's able to feed on that fear and anger and frustration with society. Um, I think that, um, yeah, fuck Donald Trump. And I'll end it with that. <laughs> I think that Let's people... do better. Let's do people, better. This is our problem. Well, anyway. Yeah, go ahead. Um, ben, that's a very good point. Um, it's part of the reason I despise Biden is because he's a career politician. <laughs> I agree. Um, I hate that picture. I hate both of them. And, uh, but I well, voted for Don't get me wrong. I, I, I despise picture. Trump, too, both of them. But you made one of the, one of the best points... Um, that I've heard throughout anybody talking about this election process that nobody is talking about. Everybody's talking about, oh, if you don't bite, bite, vote Biden, you're an idiot. Nobody's talking about why we're here, why we have to vote Biden, why it's so integral to understand kind of the history of the past four years to really kind of grasp what the fuck is going. And yeah. I and I think you, you raised a lot of good points and and I just wanted to say that it, it was very tactical. Uh, I just I, I just appreciate that point because you you don't hear a lot of people saying that we need to look to the past to understand the future. Um, yeah, and it's not even it's not even you know that far in the past. People forget so easily um, what's happened so recently, and um, it's a little frustrating. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, you're talking about, like you said, great point, linking to the past. You know, film lets us link to the hypothetical. Film lets us use creativity and art to, and you kind of, I guess, already discussed this with Joker, but just to kind of, co- kind of top that off, um, to use creativity and art to say, hey, this is something that could happen, let's not do this. And Joker obviously used a fantastical, you know, used a very famous DC character, and it was um, very much more dramatized because of that and people recognize that and I think it gets obviously a lot more memed on because of that uh, and you know probably rightfully so for that reason but it doesn't take away from the fact that that film and so many before it uh, you know Taxi Driver what have you talk about scenarios that for now exist in the corner of uh, the creator's mind but can all become all too real um, if, if we're not careful and I think that um, I think I think we hit a lot of good points there, and I think that people by now know, you know, I'm not none of us are claiming that we're we're Joe Rogan tier that we know what we're talking about when it comes to politics, but you know, we're we're just trying to link it to our internal discussions. So, uh, with that, Evan, is there anything you want to talk about regarding what Sam told what was asking you? And of course, remember you don't have to you can share as much as you want. Uh, it's up to you. Uh, with. Uh... I mean, with grief, uh, not really. That's fair. Well, just um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of poke and make you do it. Sorry, Evan. Um, just pick one stage out of the five 
and apply it to your life today. Depression. <laughs> <laughs> That's for um, sure. Um, I don't know. I think this year's kind of thrown my whole life off a bit. It's just been very jarring for me. And, um, you know, I'm no longer the, uh, the, the loud, talkative Evan that you used to know. I'm the quiet one that once the recording starts on the podcast, I just shut up. Um, but, I mean, I think right now I'm kind of, like, just in a sort of part of my life where I'm kind of just clueless. I don't really know, like, where I'm going to go next, what my next step is of this whole process, you know, what my ultimate goal is, which in the past few weeks I've realized has been changing quite a bit, you know. I Watch me not live in America in the next 10 years. <laughs> but, um, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I mean, to take one of... Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I would have to say depression is definitely the biggest one in my life right now, just because, like, um, I don't know. You know, there's... there's come to think of it there's not really like one specific thing that's been like wearing me down i think it's just like a little bit of confusion and i don't feel very guided right now kind of lost Mm -hmm. i'm sure we can all agree with that though (laughs) it was really me just kind of challenging you to to apply those topics to to your life and um it's it's not necessarily because I, I wanted to be nosy and know all about your life. Yeah, I, I get that. It's more like an exercise to get you to kind of assess how you're doing. But um, I think we really tackled those uh, ideas on our own level of anger and family um, pretty well. Has anyone here seen the movie uh, The Departed? I have. Yes! I, I think that one of my favorite movies. Of yeah, all one time. of my favorite movies of all time as well. Uh, it's a great movie. Basically, Sam, it's about uh, an undercover cop and a mole in the uh, mob in Boston. Um, they're trying to identify each other, um, and they're both trying to infiltrate a gang, uh, starring Mark Wahlberg, Leonardo DiCaprio, directed by Martin Scorsese, also Jack Nicholson. Um, but I think when you know, on the surface, and it is, you know. It's a crime thriller uh, drama, obviously. That's very obvious. But I think that when we were talking about um, this idea of family, and I kind of was just thinking about it and how, how we could relate it to, to film again, I think that both of those main characters are both looking for a sense of family. They were both denied a real family at a very young age and kind of had to swap places. For a war they didn't want to fight, and are at the same time trying to adapt into their uh, new family, quote you know, quote unquote, while also being tasked to do these impossible tasks that they've been trained to do since they were kids. Um, so I think that that is such an interesting take, and I, I really hope um, I'm not sure how many people have seen it, but I, I really recommend people see that if you are in any way interested by that kind of um, talk and mm-hmm. that we were discussing. I you know what. I probably should have brought this up earlier, but I feel like, um, in terms of like you know family, I feel like Wes Anderson is a really good uh, director mm-hmm. for who he, a lot of his movies, especially the one I'm thinking about right now is The Royal Tenenbaums, <laughs> which is about kind of um, it's it's mostly about like 
divorce in a family and how it separates the family and how, you know, what what happens when someone in your family wants to try to reconnect with something that's already so broken and, you know, disastrous over the years and how to heal, like, relationships like that. Um, and I feel like it's it, it can kind of co-align with what especially Sam and Ben were talking about earlier and um, with... Uh, dude, I'm fucking losing my train of thought. But... Um, I know what you're talking about. Like a dysfunctional family and how that kind of uh, plays into what we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I haven't seen that one. I do want to see it. Uh, no, I'm just looking at it. You know, I, I looked it up. Uh, 2001, uh, Wes Anderson. It's on Amazon Prime if anyone wants to watch it. But yeah, no, I think that the dysfunctional family is something that has prevailed and will always prevail in film. Because um, I feel like you know, everyone, everyone, you know... Oh, no one's has, in a perfect family. No, yeah. no. Everyone yeah. deals with that sort of thing. Just and it's interesting level. to see, because, you know, I feel like that's where certain, you know, I wouldn't say issues, but just, like, characteristics, that's where they really all root from, back at home. And that's um, always an interesting thing to talk about with people, like how, you know, they were brought up, how their family life is, to see how you know, it's changed them and affected them over the years. You know, I, I'm, I'm no stranger to, you know, having a sort of dysfunctional family. I, my family doubled in size one day and I kind of just had to, you know, deal with that. And I kind of went through these sort of similar stages. I definitely went through like, you know, anger, having, two new, you know, brothers to deal with. It was very strange. I was always the youngest kid and suddenly I wasn't. And I had to kind of not only, you know, interact with and get along with, but also kind of guide two, uh, you know, younger brothers now. And it became stressful for me. It confused me at the time because I was still pretty young. And um, it's, it's interesting to see how that has shaped me. I feel like almost in some ways it it made me a better and a worse person because I've changed a lot since then, but I also realized um, I've probably, you know, done some things I kind of wish I could take back due to, like, the anger and confusion I was feeling at those times. And... Um, like, you know, like the Royal Tenenbaums, it's all about kind of, you know, how do you go back and, and fix some of these problems that you've created? You just got to have to basically just keep trying. So um, I know, you know, we all have our own kind of issues at home. And it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to hear, you know, everyone's story. Yeah. Um, and something that I think really prevails and was really interesting to me in film as I'm kind of thinking about and looking at um, movies that feature those dysfunctional families at a forefront is that usually they're either horror or comedy you know <laughs> slasher films always start with them you know even oh, yeah, the new sure. even new age horror parasite hereditary we talked about that mm-hmm. and on the other hand or side of the coin you have comedies about dysfunctional families and uh I think that's just so interesting to me because it kind of <laughs> takes you back to like like the the pure roots of like theater, you know, and like Shakespearean kind of 
era in terms of like tragedy and comedy and how they intersect. So I think that it's so like it speaks to the prevailing nature of the dysfunctional family that it, that aspect of it has, at least to me, in my opinion, kind of survived and evolved since then. I just mm-hmm. think that's that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you look at you're talking about how prevalent um, kind of throughout all mediums. I mean, I think theater specifically, like if you look about like Shakespeare traveling up to like Chekhov um, in Russian theater in the 1800s, um, that was all drama surrounding family. Um, and that led to, you know, learning about how um, Russian theater influenced American actors and then American actors um, kind of led to everything after, like, um, I guess kind of what I, th- I thought of was, like, sitcoms. I think, like, mm-hmm. um, co- like they um, obviously, like, you know, you got the Brady Bunch, you got, like, Happy Days, you got a bunch of different shit that, like, in the 80s, like, you know, is still very... Um, just well known like even if like people nowadays don't really watch them everybody it's culturally like everybody knows those and then I think like those you played on like family drama but it was mostly happy but now even there's like um, other other um, familial like sitcoms that kind of go into like deeper issues um, like I'd say like a modern family again regardless whether you think shows like that are good or not or, um, uh, Fuller House. Full, <laughs> Full House is a good one, I think. <laughs> no, um, no, no, Fuller so, House. Oh, sorry, Fuller <laughs> House. Um, true, the sequel. Um, I think that um, different shows like um, Fresh Off the Boat, um, I watched some of that. It's pretty good. Blackish. Um, and even the ones that aren't like directly about blood-related families, I feel like most sitcoms try to emulate a form of that, you know? No matter what, like, you name one, like, a group of friends who are a family, Seinfeld or I Met Your Mother, um, even, if you, even if you go back to the beginning, Cheers, right? Cheers. When yeah. everybody knows your name, you know? So, like, sitcoms, because they emulate what you were talking about, theater and comedy and all that stuff, and how they've evolved, are still trying and are uh, targeting the to create that, whether it's about a, fam- a literal family or not, because that's what most people can relate to because like we said no one has a perfect family besides maybe josh Parnett, i guess um i, I am being, <laughs> i'm being called for my job so i'm sorry i, I have to okay. go oh, behave. <laughs> yeah yeah baby yeah. and we're back i'm sorry for that uh, little interruption uh ben had to take a call for work ben what was that all about so yeah uh i'm an ra here at new college um and <laughs> On the down low, uh, there have been some break-ins on campus recently, so it's been a pretty hectic time. Um, so there was another one tonight. Where? Yeah, and I was a little worried that it had something to do with that. I get a text saying, "Oh, we have a dispute or something going on," um, and I got a missed call. So I was like, "Oh, it's probably pretty serious." Um, so I walk over, um, and uh, they ask me what movie to watch. Um, and their choices are the original Muppets movie or the new Muppets movie starring wow, Jason Segel. the Siegel. new one for sure. 2011. And I told them exclusively the new one. 
Or am I a Muppet? Am I a Muppet? So to be I'm clear, a man, am I a very many Muppet? Very many. It's so good. You watch like, the Muppet Show, like the no. old one. No, like, I watched honest, it all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> it was. Great. I can't really compare the new one to the old ones, other than I've watched like a couple of like the. Like, I think I watched, like, Muppets Take Manhattan, like, a couple different ones. And they're funny, but, like, this, I the, the I, newer one is yeah. so fucking good. Like, Did you ever see when oh, they yeah. tried to do, like, a mockumentary, sure. like, on ABC a few years ago? Like, kind of like The Office, but they tried to do it with yeah. the Muppets. Yeah. I won't lie, I, I parts of that were kind of funny, but it definitely didn't last for a reason. Um, Damn, I didn't see that, but that's yeah. pretty funny. Muppets, Muppets is a... I have an interesting, like, I don't, I don't know, like, uh, I guess memory of the Muppets, because, like, I, I watched the show a lot because we had, like, VHS tapes of it, and I'd watch it in the car. So, like, I think my, the one I remember the most is, the two I remember the most are uh, Elton John, who played Crocodile Rock with, like, these, you know, Muppet crocodiles, and they, like, push him in the water, and it's funny. And then, like, Let's see, you also had, like, Alice Cooper with, like, <laughs> Welcome to My Nightmare or whatever. That one was pretty fun. Um, I can't say much about, like, the older movies. From what I remember, they're kind of, like, shit. But I really, I actually, I, I love the uh, the 2011 one with, like, Jason Segel and uh, I think Amy Jason Adams. Jason Segel is a <laughs> great actor. I like everything I see Jason Segel in. Um, there's actually one... Uh... What's it called? It's that movie about David Foster Wallace. Oh, uh, End of the Tour. Yeah, actually, really good movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not, like, one of my favorites, but I watched it one night, and um, David Foster Wallace is a pretty interesting writer. Um, I think, like, <laughs> his most famous book, Infinite Dress, is pretty fucking memed on. Um, but he actually has some really good speeches, um and i enjoy some of his writing but um have you have you seen that movie uh, with uh it has jason siegel in like a serious role as uh dfw and um i forget who else is in it uh the reporter but i would i oh yeah um oh wait yeah yeah. and um Yeah, yeah yeah and um i would recommend it though if you're interested seeing him play a different kind of role is pretty cool have you seen uh i love you man the one with Paul Rudd, where they're like, oh, yeah. he becomes friends with Jack. <laughs> Dude, that one's so fun. It's <laughs> such like a, like, I don't know, just like a, there's, there's not really any like huge stakes to that movie or anything. It's just one of those like chill feel good movies, you know? Yeah. Go watch yeah, it with yeah, your yeah, dude. Have you seen Drink a Dinner for Schmucks? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I have not. Dude, I have remember, I do remember. I oddly remember like very well when that came out. <laughs> like, that's what I was about to say. It right? was, it was promoted so well. Marketing for it. I was like, oh, I want to see this. Like the Office guy. Even though I hadn't watched The Office at the time, <laughs> but like, I don't know why I was like so interested in it. And then I remember torrent. Bleep that out. Torrenting it. Um, okay, I'm not thinking that. I, I know. I know. <laughs> um, and. I watched it, and I was like, this just isn't funny. <laughs> Wait, it's on <laughs> Netflix. It's on Netflix now? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was like, why did I even take the time to fucking It was directed porn? by Jay Roach, the same guy who directed Austin Powers. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I know what I'm watching then. 
they the say, movie. They dinner say if sh- there ever is an Austin Powers 4, Dinner for Schmucks is the probably the closest we'll get. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> the New York Times official critic review is, Dinner for Schmucks is in some ways an exemplary modern Hollywood comedy. Oh. <laughs> what? That is literally on the front page when you type in Dinner for Schmucks. Huh. That's so really it did well, personally. I think we got to do a Dinner for Schmucks episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll point. like it now. Maybe we'll do, like, a few of those kinds of uh, comedies. I don't know why, but whenever I think of Dinner for Schmucks, I also think about that time in my life where I was always watching, like, you know, viewer-on-demand shit on, like, Verizon. Mm, and I'd always get an ad for this one movie with Vince Vaughn in it called The Dilemma. I haven't <laughs> seen it. I don't know what, what it's about. I just remember the trailer for it so well because it has that uh, the song, like, Forget You or, like, Fuck You or whatever in it. Yeah, I know exactly That's, what you're talking about. I've seen that trailer hundreds of times. <laughs> That's so funny. It's forget you by CeeLo or it's yeah, fuck yeah. you by CeeLo Green, but the you. censored version is forget you. Yes. So, which arguably I like that version more. I think mm-hmm. forget you sounds better than fuck you. I agree. It's you know when I think when I think dinner for schmucks, I think for some reason. <laughs> Also, uh, well, I know why. Little Fockers came out the same year. So <laughs> now I know why. Yeah, I've seen that one. What do you think of the uh, Meet the Parent trilogy? You know, you got Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, and Little Fockers. Um, I haven't seen Little Fockers. I've seen the first That's... 20 minutes of Little Fockers. <laughs> was it I'm as pretty good sure... as you were expecting? No, I mean, I mean, it, for the first 20 minutes, it was pretty lackluster. I just know we had all three on DVD, and, you know, the first two always be on repeat. <laughs> And then one time, I think, one of my parents tried to watch Little Fockers, and then after 20 minutes, they shut it off. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I had don't a similar but, predicament. Uh, Meet the Parents is a classic. Remember, like, watching a movie, like, with your parents when you're younger? And they're, like, there's always, like, the, you know, the sex scene, like, Dude, halfway into the movie. I like, would always gotta, like, <laughs> sneak in, not sneak in, not, I mean, like, <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be in the in the room, but, like, when my dad watched, like, Austin Powers, like, any of those, any of the trilogy... I remember distinctly being like very small and seeing the scene in Goldmember where he's pissing to to match the water fountain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, no spoilers. Sorry. And uh, I actually don't remember that scene. <laughs> so funny, dude. Okay, oh wait, well, yeah, yeah, I remember it. I remember it. I remember it. <laughs> look, Goldmember is Goldmember. We're not gonna get into it because it's not the Austin Powers episode, and Ben hasn't seen it yet. But there there are some pretty great jokes that in that movie that are original from the other two that I think need to be respected. But anyway, we'll talk about that when the time comes next episode. Uh, so we took a turn there. We took a little bit of a turn when Ben came back from our previous. Yeah, like some like grief to little fuckers. Little fuckers. Or fucking schmucks. <laughs> oh, give me one second, guys. I'll be right back. All right. What the heck? This guy. This guy. <laughs> I'm glad we all have, like, similar memories of the right. movie trailers that were popular in, like, 2007 or whatever. Dude, I feel like it's such an iconic time. Like, the late 2000s is just so, like, ingrained in my mind. Maybe because you were developing as a child. That could be why. Fuck you, <laughs> How fucking dare you say that? Oh, the, um, hmm, late 2000s were... Dude, yeah, for some reason, like, the 2000s and 2010s have been, like really big like parts of my life <laughs> it's, weird. it's weird i, I hate the you know everyone loves the 90s i hate the 90s i don't remember anything yeah the i literally like what 
Literally nothing. What even happened, bro? Nothing. <laughs> Such a boring-ass decade. 2000s and 2010s were so much more memorable. Alright, we'll apologies. Call I gotta no call. call. No! Interesting. You know, as we were talking about 2000, or late 2000s movies and those trailers, I see a movie here that I haven't thought about in a long time and I guess kind of envelops our more serious first half of this episode when we were talking about grief. Um, Bridge to Terabithia. Uh, <laughs> what do we think of that? Dude, uh, okay, you, you just fucking... Yeah, you're waking something within me, alright? You mean the, the that one Josh? Fuck me up like and... no other, alright? I remember reading the book before. <laughs> yeah, I, I read the book movie. too. Yeah. I, I, you know, I was a fan before the movie, let me just say. Uh, what year did the movie come out? I forget. 2007. Alright. Read the book sometime in kindergarten, first grade. Banger. The ending. Oh my god. Literally, yeah, like, the, the very, the like some very serious movies have affected me less than that movie did. You know, maybe what? it's because I was... I'm serious. Dude, didn't I was even so show, like, sad. We didn't That's even what's so powerful that, about it. Die. I will say the, the book Not felt a little more powerful screen. to me. Dying off screen? I think the book, too, yeah. But, yeah. um... But that, that yeah, book... I, I'm... I'm I'm merely joshing It's a children's you. movie. Fucking hell. Yeah, no, same thing. That book and uh, Where the Red Fern Grows. Those two got me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. The there was time. this one movie. This one uh, movie when I was younger is called My Dog Skip. And it's oh, like a you know, classic boy and dog movie. And oh, dude, you... Something happens, like the dog gets hurt and, you know, classic. Dude, it was... Dude, no, no, that... <laughs> to your that, fuel. That, that is... I, I, I agree. But that is nothing compared to uh, where the red fern grows, dude. Like his yeah. his thing is with two dogs, and I guess I'll spoil <laughs> where the red fern grows. Uh, a book from like nineteen, <laughs> whatever. But um, his two dogs get like eaten alive by wolves at the end. It's like a children's book. He goes through this whole thing, and it's this whole like coming of age story, and his family is fucked up, and and then at the end he just watches his hunting dogs. Like oh, it's dude, it's that shit it was crazy. Yeah. It was published in 1961. All right. Wow. Um, so spoilers. We're gonna put a spoiler. So spoilers, if you have, <laughs> spoilers for the red fern grows. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm where does the red fern grow? In a red fern grows where they fucking uh, died. Where they got fucking. Oh when they got, damn. When the fucking on the bridge ate to their intestines, yeah. he buried them there, and that's where the red fern grows. Like Jesus oh, Christ. Y'all ever see? Oh, so Continue. <laughs> Y'all ever seen, um, fucking, what's that one, uh, Fern Gully? Um, Fern Gully? I know what you're talking about, but uh, no, I'm not. It's about, like, deforestation and all these fucking Who cares? animals um, lose their homes, <laughs> fairy creatures. So um, I've seen a better movie like that, and it's called Avatar, starring, <laughs> J- starring James Cameron. Starring James Cameron. <laughs> Starring Sam Worthington, actually. <laughs> yeah, starring <laughs> Sam Worthington. That's right. I'm glad to see so uh, to Worthington. Yeah, it's hilarious. Avatarington. I can't wait for Tier. Sam Worthington to make his return to film when Avatar Two after, comes out. <laughs> after a, a long-awaited <laughs> hiatus after his last film, Wrath of the Titans, <laughs> or yeah. like what? A, is that crazy? That, Godzilla? Like, seen Godzilla? No, no. That's, I saw uh, the new. I don't that's, know. That's he's really he's the guy very much so uh, typecast, dude. But you know what's interesting? Like, 
that that a guy like you know Sam Worthington can go from starring in John Sorry. James Cameron's Avatar, the James Cameron's Avatar, you know, biggest movie ever, you know, Terminator. has a Disney part. And then yeah, and then what Terminator Salvation. But like what does he do now? Did he quit acting or is like or is he, was, he was dating a little bit? <laughs> I'm not sure if that it wouldn't be a filmatic episode without some healthy bleeps. So yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think um, Sam Worthington deserved more. Um, I'm going to be honest. Like, I wasn't a big fan of, like, him I'm as just, an actor. I didn't think he had any I'm charisma. Really not so, like, maybe Sam that's Worthington why. Either. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Worthington snitched. Worthington <laughs> 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 snitched on Michael Bay for creating shit movies. Okay. What? <laughs> Did you know uh, Avatar 2 is coming out in 2015? Uh, 2022. <laughs> 2015. <laughs> Okay. Remember when they said that shit, like on like yeah, Facebook? although yeah, I remember. Can we actually Avatar talk too. about Avatar and how is anyone possibly excited for it? I'm not excited for it, but I do like I still like the first one. But I yeah, hated the I, first movie. I, I saw it in care. theaters. It's just weird um, to me as a kid. I didn't I'd have to get it, it at all. I mean, I was fucking very young. You should watch so. it again. You should watch it again because when I first saw it. I wasn't, like, all that Dude. blown away by it, but I feel like Maybe since then... I'm just then, not a big James Cameron fan. I don't know. I don't know. I like Titanic. I'm not even kidding. There is a character in Avatar with the last name... What is Worthington Snitch. All right? So that's oh, all like, I have to say. That's the only commentary we need on this movie. Is Next that, one. like, a, okay. a who shall not be named reference? Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> the okay. vice principal of... Uh, uh, Taylor B. <laughs> right. Um, does, does everybody oh, not know who the snitch was? Like, I'm, I'm asking. Can you just tell like, us on the podcast? Do you know? It was yeah. Avatar. <laughs> who, who was it? Who was it? It was. A- oh, that's not surprising. <laughs> because he was seen multiple times going into uh, Zoss. Seeing her. <laughs> well, I mean, we've all theorized that. Seeing some. You know, you mentioned Avatar. Let's talk about humanity versus technology, okay? Just to kind of go back to the deep dives for a second. Uh, this is less personal, so hopefully we get Evan involved in this. But <laughs> science fiction offers uh, a lot of particular opportunities to explore um, our deep-seated anxieties about technology. You know, 2001 A Space Odyssey provided uh, one of those first like masterful examples in the... Uh, prehistory sequence, the Bone Club was an instrument for killing, and it appears as the first major technical breakthrough of our species. In the future, yeah. much of the human interaction we see has been totally reduced to long-distance communication through screens, and a spaceship's intelligent computer attempts to murder its human crewmates. And finally, a, a godlike alien intelligence appears not as feeling and anthropomorphic, but as a cold black monolith. Uh, and as efficient and inscrutable as any machine. And I mention all that because 2001 A Space Odyssey was the first film, well, not the first, maybe it's debatable, but the first major feature film to kind of so uh, deeply explore those aspects and anxieties. And I just want to know what you guys think about humanity versus technology in today's world, um, especially post-corona, and you can talk about whatever you want, you know, real life, film whatever so what do you guys think well funny that you use doctor or, I'm, I'm an idiot funny that you use uh 2001 
as your your example for that, which I think it you know it, obviously it is a really good example. I love the uh, you know that that cut prehistory. Yeah. They throw the the bone into the air and it you know cuts to the spaceship flying yeah. in the sky, kind of shaped similarly. Um, but I would argue that um, is I think it's the movie he directed right before that. It's a uh, Doctor Strangelove. That one I'd say um, has equally like similar themes to kind of like man's creation and how like we've kind of lost control of it where like in the case of this story it's um it's kind of like a take on the cold war where america is going in and they're doing this like preemptive strike on a russian target and they kind of like it's uh you got like the pilots on the plane and the politicians in the united states kind of lost in communication with each other trying to get this plane to stop dropping the bomb because if they drop the bomb this doomsday machine in russia will set off and basically ruin the world and it's funny because the source material for it was this book called red alert and it's about it it basically has the same plot except whereas dr strangelove is written more as a comedy this one was uh the book was way more serious and it's interesting to see how stanley changed it from like this you know dramatic war movie to a comedy that more or less comments on the people that have put these weapons and like you know the people who are in charge of these these extremely heavy nuclear weapons and um it's a funny take on it. I really suggest you guys watch it. It's it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I don't want to you know keep rambling, but I feel like that was um, that's a a good example of kind of man having no true control over the creations he's made. But yeah, if we want to go back to two thousand one, which I mean, I think it's a it's it's definitely a movie that as slow as it is and you know as kind of like more it, it's more of like an experience almost than a movie i feel like everyone should watch it just especially for like the the visual work alone in it i think is excellent it's probably like my one of my favorite looking movies of all time but, um yeah i think it's a it's an interesting theme especially nowadays with social media stuff like that i feel like that's one of the, the biggest things i think of um in that case like do you guys um what do you guys think of like how big social media has become and like what do you guys think like how it affects your life um yeah go ahead i i have um, lots about this i uh well nabil you go first because i got i got a whole lot yeah too, so. um I'll try to make mine as straightforward as I can. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward thing. I think mm-hmm. that social media today, specifically Facebook, if you have to choose one, is the greatest propaganda machine in history. Um, <laughs> literally. I think that it is a system that may have started good-intentioned, but... Uh, I don't know about that. I said may have. <laughs> No, I'm I mean, trying to give benefit of the doubt. You know, uh, hot or not. <laughs> Social network. Yeah, the hot or yeah. not site. <laughs> Just yeah, comparing. Would you, would you fuck this person? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, isn't that funny? That's how <laughs> Facebook really The fall of democracy began. began with a fucking... Yeah, the social network, I think, is one of the oh, one of the best films I've ever seen. Very I good. Think we can talk so, about that so after uh, Nabil's point, though. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, you guys are kind of, kind of running with it, I think, in, in the right direction. I think that we've, what we have now, whether, whatever it started as, is, like I said, the biggest propaganda machine in history. You're giving, basically, you're giving a platform to everybody, which on paper is great, and I think that everyone should have a platform to some extent. But when you give a platform that's unregulated, unmitigated, and can be reached every corner of the world you're giving it it becomes to it gets to the point where i think that shutting it down or limiting something like facebook it's not about limiting anyone's free speech it's about not giving people including some of the most reprehensible people on earth the biggest platform in history to reach a third of the planet you know freedom of speech is not freedom of reach like i think that i think that i mean imagine i mean maybe this is like too far or you've heard you know maybe your grandma say this but like imagine if adolf hitler had facebook how much worse would that situation be how much how how different would the world's perception be of something that terrible on that level be if their information that they're receiving about it is uh mass produced and like i said unmitigated so i think that Facebook could very well be the downfall of at least one major tenant, if not our entire society. So that's my that's I my feel take. like I've noticed, you know, since this election has really kicked into high gear, it really made me aware of how biased my, you know, my news is on my phone. Like I'll be using I'll be using like Reddit and I'll be on the news tab. Okay. Yeah. Ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I use it too, so I'm not making. I just. <laughs> no, but, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with you. But um, it's funny because you'll look at your news section, and especially like during with with the election going on, I've noticed how like biased my, you know, the 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 stuff they show me on on social media is, and how it kind of only just aligns with the interests I have and the things I agree with. And I, I thought that was interesting because I was comparing it with one of my roommates who has different political views than I do. And we compared our news sections, you know, just on Reddit. And it's it's crazy how different it is. It's like it's almost like we're using like the the algorithm we've set to kind of, you know, give us what we want through social media. You know, give us all the the stories and the news that we would want to read in a way, it's kind of just dividing us even more. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Sorry, sorry. I was I was using the bathroom. I can uh, I can comment on that pretty heavily. I I think social media is detrimental to the individual uh, to a noticeable degree. Um, so for me personally, I noticed that the less screen time I have during the day. The, the happier I am. It's um it's a pretty direct correlation actually, um, and it's it's honestly surprising to to kind of see that effect, especially when you pay attention to it. And whatever yeah. is going on, the fact that media sources and what people push on us can affect our views, it just goes to show that 
we are being polarized to a scary degree and people are just feeding us this information. And it's, it's almost like they plant a seed and then they just fucking hammer it down in your brain. Yeah. And it's, and it's with, with like, and on the other hand, I see like through uh, platforms like Instagram, it's kind of like that, you know, you have to advertise your life the way you want people to see you. So, to, yeah. And also, quick side note, Nabil, I don't know if it's just for me, but I feel like your audio is really quiet. I can't is, hear you. It right, is super right now. quiet. Just for like the past minute. Like, you haven't really said anything important when it's been quiet, but just oh, let yeah, me my know. Yeah, internet's cutting in and out, but I'll, I'll try my best um, okay. to continue. Um, um, where was I? So, yeah, with. Instagram, it's different because you're you're basically advertising to everyone the type of person you want them to see you. And I've noticed um, to go along with what you said, Sam, about like that kind of correlation between happiness and how much you use these, you know, your phone or social media. I think it's it, it's it's true because I'll go on Instagram, I'll see everyone, you know, posting just the positive aspects of their life. And it makes everyone else's life seem so much happier than yours because you don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And it's not really like a it's it's not quite a like a healthy thing to have. I've personally like I don't really use Facebook anymore just because I, I can't fucking stand it, to be honest. And then yeah. I've been trying to cut back on using like Instagram just because I I just I don't really like how how fake it's you know yeah it's i think outlook that, on life is <laughs> yeah um and it's hard to cut it out especially when you live in a, an environment and especially this time mm-hmm. before corona but especially during and after where you're isolated and that's your only connection you feel like to your outside world and when you're bored you just open instagram or you open snapchat or you open for some people facebook um i also am really avoiding that but uh or reddit because that counts too i guess and I think, just to go back to Instagram, like, not only has, I think, Evan touched on such a great point with Instagram affecting one's happiness when you're looking at everyone's, like, what seems to you as, like, their perfect life or their best life and how it's much better it is than yours. Um, that affected, I think, a lot of us, if not everybody to some extent. When we, you know, it got introduced to us in, like, what, early middle school? Sixth grade, yeah, seventh grade? Yeah, I'd say grade? so. I think possibly even earlier. Maybe earlier like than when you got like a phone like, or something. Yeah. Yeah, and like just to see its progression now, I'm, I don't, I think a lot of people would not be who they are without Instagram and cultivating one's own personality to try and match someone else's, you know. And then you think, look at Instagram today, and it's very sad to see that. At least in my opinion, I think that it, it's got to the point where, especially a lot of specifically females have been put in this terrible situation where it seems like uh they are being pushed to um yes and i'm trying not to be you mm-hmm. know I, i'm i'm all for freedom and i mean and yeah women's of rights course. And, but at but, the same time you see like you know you go on tiktok and oh, <laughs> if you want to be popular oh, you gotta be you know you gotta be cutesy, sexualized. you know you and gotta yeah exactly that is doing anything good whatsoever yeah no it's it's, the developing youth and 
even if I was a parent, I would, in, if I was a parent today, you know, I would not, if I had a daughter, let them even close to social media with what I've seen. And I don't know what that makes me. I don't know what it's going to be like in 20 years if I do have kids, but I just know that either it ends or it doesn't get any better and it only gets worse. I, mean, I don't think they can end it at this point. Like, it's, yeah, I, it's only, yeah. I actually, uh, I have a couple things to say about Instagram. Then I'm going to move to Snapchat. Then I'll move to TikTok. So, uh, so buckle up a little bit. Um, so my, my initial thoughts on Instagram is I, I enjoy that we brought this up because I've talked to Evan and my roommate Dawn about it um, a lot. I deleted my Instagram about six to seven months ago, and I'm honestly really happy I did it. I don't have the connection with my high school classmates or any of the high school classmates that I that I had, um, but I don't I don't really need it. First off, and it really saves me a lot of time from just sit there sitting there mindlessly scrolling and worrying about uh, what other people are up to and worrying about just minute social circumstances that I shouldn't be worrying about. Like, oh, I see one of my ex-girlfriends, like, having a conversation with some random guy in the comment section of a random person's post. I shouldn't see that. I shouldn't have to be subject to that, and I shouldn't even be remotely thinking about it, but Instagram just puts it right in front of my face. Uh, Yeah. And it's just shit like that, and they can get you to scroll for hours and hours and hours. And I think it just causes people to think about things they don't need to be thinking about. Yeah, it causes, yeah. It's horrible. I agree. And, and Instagram, like you said, Nabil, hypersexualizes teens. It hypersexualizes kids. It forces mm. people to portray their best lifestyle, and in turn, it makes other people feel like shit about themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's my thoughts on Instagram. Moving on, we got Snapchat. Snapchat, um, I Snapchat is my main form of communication, yeah. but I think the worst part about Snapchat is Snap Maps. Yeah. Snap yeah. Maps is, I think, the single most. Um, I wouldn't. I I don't know if pivotal is the right word, but it is. It has changed my life the most. And it has changed others around me's life very heavily because you can see what people are doing around you. But more importantly, you can see the time somebody last signed in onto Snapchat and the ability to see if somebody is actively responding to you or not or to see mm-hmm. if they're ignoring you or to see what you're hanging out with your other friends or not yeah, or, if with you. Yeah, or if they're excluding you. I think. That is, and that just feeds into the whole thing about social media. Like the main point I think is like we've been giving, and this is you could say this about the whole internet nowadays and how it contributes to modern day depression and stuff. Like we've been giving this, we've been given this awesome amount of power, and uh, uh, not just power, information, information. Not like why do you think that we're all so? You know, there's so much uptick in anxiety and depression is because we know so much now mm-hmm. we know much more than the generations before us ever did and it's all and it's at our unnecessary yeah, yeah it's just unnecessary information about things that don't that we can't really affect but they can still affect us right and social media is built on the idea of inclusion 
and it and it kind of ingrains in our heads especially us we're kind of one of the younger generations to experience social media it builds that idea that you should know everything it builds that idea that you should be included in everything and if your friends do a single thing without you then they're not your friend it it, it builds a toxic toxic environment for not only friendships but relationships in any sort of interactions you have online uh and uh, and I'll go back to the uh, go back to Snapchat. Snapchat has overtaken texting in in most young people's life. 100%. It's the main form of communication. Um, yeah, in, for sure. And Snap Maps, like I said, it it's detrimental to friendships and relationships because you can see the last time somebody went on. Um, I think see that is what they're doing, who they're with, yeah. and also it. Snap Maps is used as a as a tool to communicate interest in somebody else, right? So if somebody has their Snap Maps on, it's like it, it, it signals that they're romantically interested in you. Or they could just be have it on for everybody. You don't know. And it's one of those things that it's so dynamic in its use, but every single interpretation of it is negative. And it is... I, it is one of those things where I will continue to shit on it for hours and hours on it. But if you look at my phone right now, I have my snap maps on because that's just the world we fucking live in. Thank God um, I don't have yeah. mine on. But yeah, I. What do All you right. think? There's any route just to finish this up, unless Ben has something else to say. Um, do you think there's any route to an end or some sort of a decrease in social media's terrible effects in so many ways? No. Or are we fucked? Um, I think it's going to be on an individual level, and you have to evaluate how it affects you and change that yourself. But I think I personally have been affected so much growing up that I can't that I can't even begin to fathom who I would be without it. Um, Damn. The, the the amount of uh, I'll I'll put in an example. This is personal, but whatever. Um, I would never have asked out if it wasn't for social media. I would never have had a ball to do something like that. I'll, I'll it gave me the ability to yeah. embarrass myself on a platform. And <laughs> it's horrible. Like, it gives people access to things they really shouldn't be doing, especially young people. So. I. Yeah. No, it's, it's bleak. Shout out to the Social Network movie. Shout um, out to Mark. <laughs> shout out to Marky Mark. So. Oh, Mark Mattia. <laughs> I'll shout, shout out, out to Mark all Marks. Mattia. Every Mark out there. Mark Mattia, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Ass Brownlee, Mark... <laughs> <laughs> Ass Brownlee. <laughs> you just go back to that. <laughs> um, I wonder if they're going to do a YouTube Rewind this year. Jesus Christ, I hope I mean, not. The one last year was awful. What about, how are they going to cover <laughs> coronavirus this year? That's what I want to know. K-pop. <laughs> They'll just show all the TikTok stars uh, going to oh, parties. And I think TikTok is... Okay, ben, what do you think about TikTok? Dude, I think it's really bad for some reasons. But for all the reasons we just talked about, I think other I, social medias you know are what? just as bad. So, what do you think about TikTok specifically, and where does it rank on your level of... I think Facebook is a lot worse than it. Oh, I Facebook think, is easily the worst, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, we've been talking about Twitter, but I think Twitter's probably the best. 
Um, but at the same time, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but I feel like this is a, an important thing to mention. Um, as as many negative things we've said about social media, I think what makes this so complicated is all the positive things that have come out of it. Yeah, because it keeps us hooked. Like, yeah, exactly. I feel like, you know, without social media, there are so many, like, things I feel like I would have missed out on. And I feel like, and not only that, but, you know, you have, like, people, you know, getting, making friends, uh, starting groups, you know, starting events and movements yeah. through social media. We talked and, about, like, Snapchat communications being, you know, there are some down, some cons to that, but the ability that we can contact so many people when normally we wouldn't be able to without their phone number or before that without them physically is pretty profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I guess that's, you know, that's just something I need, I felt like I needed to mention, you know, because yeah. we can, we can shit on social media all we want, but I, what, yeah. what makes it like, you know, what makes it such a controversial, like, topic, I think, is just because as many bad things as we could say about social media, it's also done, you know, just as many good things. But I, I think for the individual, good. for the individual, I would definitely say it's it's a bad thing and it's it's not healthy. Um, all right, so sorry for that interruption, Ben. I would love to hear your rankings of the social media. I <laughs> <laughs> um, look no. the whole. I don't actually care about his rankings. I just want to. Oh okay. no, I do. I, I do. Fun. I think some yeah. good memes come out of it. Similar to a vine. Um, you know, the China stuff is bad, but the minor stuff I, bad. Yeah, but my my point is is that the issues with um, security um, are on every social media. Not as much as I not as I'm much. Not, not as much. I'm not here to have a t- like, I'm not here to have a TikTok debate. I just no, want to be clear. You just told me you wanted to have a TikTok debate. I didn't so say what I'm debate. saying I is that I want you to if you if you're vowing off tiktok i want you to vow off facebook well if you let me speak twitter and will you just listen to me the reason don't get me wrong facebook instagram which are the same company and even twitter are all evil in that same regard but not as much because we know to a very high degree where the data is going it's in the terms and conditions we know where it's going we know about the advertisers we know about all these things and it's terrible, we have to change it, or quit it, or blah, 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 blah. My, I think what makes TikTok so troubling is its connection to a foreign government that we don't know what they're doing. It's been Can proven. I join the Thunderdome? Sure. About TikTok? Um, so, do you guys have any, like, uh, knowledge about TikTok's algorithm? No. Specifically, really. no, but I, I mean, I, I have some, in, I know, I, I read about... kind of understand how, like... I understand so what they're called. What TikTok does is it measures the amount of time you spend on a specific page, mm-hmm. as yeah. well as it clock it copies the data on your clipboard. Like so, whatever the last thing you copied or pasted on your phone every ten seconds, <laughs> no matter if the no matter if the app is open or closed, it will copy the information on your clipboard every ten seconds. It has access to your location every 15 seconds it has access to your internet search history on all devices on the wi-fi network and it had it literally what tiktok does did was they created a perfect algorithm to figure out how to tailor your for you page so you would spend the most time on the app 
Yeah, of course. And I've hear, I, I hear Instagram does similar things where they yeah. see how long you're looking at posts. I thought that was something that is definitely, you know, it's interesting. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always wondered, you know, well, it's, I, well, like, it's really smart. It's, it's yeah. genius, but it's treating, it's essentially trying to treat humans like a program. And, um, I don't know. I think TikTok especially is especially bad due to the fact that it's um, that it's kind of making a lot of kids have a short attention span, and it's also just feeding these kids just a lot of information very quickly. Mm-hmm. And information that it, arguably a lot of the children that use it should not be knowing of. Yeah, it makes, it, to that's me, another. It's thing. like a it's it's like a Facebook Instagram combo for me. And I think that and what you're exactly what you were saying about the information being the Facebook side of it and the Instagram being the sexualization side of young people. And I think that those combined tailored for young people is what makes me dislike TikTok the most. Um, And thirdly, being its relations to a foreign government that we know is collecting the data versus the U.S., which is, I mean, many arguments there. But I just think, you know. I think there's a, there's a massive security threat there. I mean, it was banned on a federal level. No federal yeah, employees can use TikTok. Furthermore, it gives a lot of young people a voice when they really shouldn't have one because mm-hmm. they're not old enough to have formulated yeah. a fleshed out opinion on a topic. Yeah. How old do you think like kids should be before they should be allowed to use social media? I think at least I, 13. Yeah, that's that's kind of the number I thought. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking 14, 14, maybe 15, depending yeah, on what we're talking a, about. That's a good... Uh, and even then, there needs to be heavy, heavy... I, I'm not even saying you can implement this, but I think that the only way... There has to be a healthy start. There has to be a healthy base, you know? Otherwise, they're just going to fall into the same shit that a lot of people we right. know did. And I, I, it would make me very, very sad to see that happen again, as it's already happening, generation... Or, or class after class, if you want to put it that way. So it's pretty, you know, it's pretty daunting. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's just interesting to see, like, even just the differences between me and, like, my siblings. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm, the, I'm the middle child, so I kind of grew up with social media. Like, I mean, I did, but, like, not as early as either of my younger mm-hmm. brothers. And it's it's fascinating, and at times a little worrisome to see, like, how many like how many things like my youngest stepbrother knows that like mm-hmm. I was just completely oblivious to as a child things that you shouldn't need to really be aware of that you know things that affect your mental health things that aren't yeah, just yeah. information that are like it's one thing to collect knowledge and information to better yourself or even just to have it I'm not saying you can't have knowledge that you don't want to use I'm just saying like like you said Evan there needs to be a correlation for it to make sense. And that, that's all, you know? Oh, we have whisked on two tying shots. We have what? We're playing Rocket League. Oh. <laughs> and no one, and you didn't invite me. All right. <laughs> I'm playing 2K right now. What the hell? Am I the only one not playing a video game right now? <laughs> I can play yeah, Matt Madden the entire podcast. I, I just enjoy talking. I was just playing one video. I literally have pages of notes I'm writing as you guys are speaking. So that I have something to talk about. What the You're hell? writing notes. <laughs> uh, nah, dude, when it comes to social media, I can kind of go off and just 
you know, talk about for a bit. talking about social media. I'm talking about everything. This is the pain of running the podcast. Well, you're yeah. the you're the leader. Yeah. You want all the you want all the fame and credit, all right? Because right. like in the beginning, it was like, oh man, Sam is kind of taking the leadership position. He's doing really well, but it turns out I'm just stupid because he's been playing football this whole time and he's somehow. <laughs> It's still it's like... It's just something you can talk about. I'm sure if you, we no, bring I'm up, talking like, about comics everything. or something, I'm talking you about everything. talk about it with your brain closed. Anyway. That's all right. Well, um, no, Nabil, uh, like, I, I I, haven't been playing it the entire time. Like, when I was sitting there going on a little tangent, I would pause yeah, it, and, and I, would, I would pay full attention, because, like, this is... A lot of these topics are things I care about. I mean... I know, I'm just kidding. It's, it's just... I know. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I feel like we probably didn't do a great job connecting all that social media talk to movies. Not well, that it just really matters. Okay. But I mean, okay, well, my thing is, like, obviously social network. Everyone knows that one. And I think that it's interesting um, to an extent that there have been a lot of tries to talk about social media in a, in a movie format. And not not many of them have really been able to strike base in a oh, uh, what? I'm sorry for interrupting all the time. I was I it, you you said that it made me think of that like Disney movie called like Cyberbully or something or like I don't know. You know, well, you know like unfriended was... searching. <laughs> Apparently searching is good actually. I have um, not seen that one. That's but the yeah, one where they're all like on a Skype call and they yeah. all get murdered. Um, huh, that's you know the circle. Friend. Remember when the circle came out and it was Emma Watson and Tom Hanks and people were like, "Whoa, that's gonna be pretty good." But then yeah, it wasn't. I remember yeah, seeing I so think... many ads for that. And then did anyone ever watch it? <laughs> I don't think like <laughs> it must have just bombed because I don't think anyone saw it. It got marketed really hard because it was like yeah, but it was so Emma boring. Watson thing since like the last it Harry looked... Potter, I think. <laughs> like it looked so stupid. What was it about? Just they were she uh... worked. Emma Watson seizes the opportunity of a lifetime when she lands a job with the world's most powerful tech and social media company, encouraged by the company's founder, Tom Hanks. Just, oh my god, I watched it, this movie. I, just, <laughs> I literally did not even think about that until... How, what, I mean, how, does that play, how does it play into what we talked about then? Bro, I have no idea. I remember nothing about it. It's how forgettable you, it was. You and everyone else who saw it. I mean, I guess we could talk about, like... Black oh, Mirror. I think that's a crash. Yeah, that specific episode of Black Mirror. Which one? <laughs> um, oh, I like um, it's the one called... I like the I one Nosedive with Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's, I think that's <laughs> that like one my is about social episode. media. Mm-hmm. There, a lot of them are. So okay, okay. Um, yeah, I, I really like that one. I think that's one of my favorite episodes, actually. Um, I don't know if either you or Sam have seen it, uh, Nabil, but it's basically just, like, this reality where you kind of, like, your social status is basically mirrored with your, you know, social media status, and you get, like, rating. You get a rating, yeah, they did this on Community before they did the Black Mirror episode as a comedy episode. (laughs) They also are doing it in real life in China. Yeah, well, yeah. Really? (laughs) Yes. In, wow. community, in community, it was called Meow Meow Beans. Everyone <laughs> in the community college had a different rating, and you know there were the, the one stars, the two stars, and the three stars, or whatever. Oh yeah. Or whatever, whatever it was called, not stars. They're like cats or something, and it's pretty funny. But yeah, no, they did that before they did the Black Mirror episode. 
It was pretty funny. But, fuck uh, Black but yeah, Panther. No, I, fuck Black Panther. Fuck Black Panther. No, I mean, starting in China means it'll be here soon, right? Yeah. Uh, Once Joe Biden wins, that goddamn socialist. I think it'll be interesting to see, like, because, you know, realistically, social media is still, like, in its baby years, in the way I see it. Like, it's definitely changed a lot since it started initially, but I feel like there's, you know, who knows how much further it can go from here, really. It's only been, like, 15 years now. <laughs> Thank you, Evan. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for that. Thanks for that thought, Evan. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. We'll switch topics. So, Ben, Ben, I know you, uh, you wrote a, I guess you DM'd me during this discussion. You said that OnlyFans is the best creation to come out of the social media age. You wanted to talk about that? Um, no comment. I mean, you're the one who said you wanted to talk about it. So. No, no comment. All right. I mean, if you on. want me to. Okay. <laughs> um, you I don't know. Dude, I actually... No, I didn't actually <laughs> say that. Um, no, I mean, I, what I think is interesting um, in modern times um, <laughs> is actually that, like, it's a very viable career path for people, um, especially during um, until a time Bella like Thorne the pandemic. Does, right? Until Bella Thorne does it, right? <laughs> That is true. Um, but no, I mean, um, a lot of people um, actually make, like, enough money to live off of it, which, you know, is pretty cool. Like, yeah. um, I think it's an example of sex work that is, like... Um, Been amplified by social media. Amplified by social media, and it's not harming anyone, so um, it's people's personal choice. As opposed to other forms of sex work that can potentially be harmful. The thing with the OnlyFans, um, the long-term repercussions it will have on some of these women's lives and some of these men's lives. I mean, it goes because, back to what Ben was saying about personal choice, though. You know, I think it's much yeah. more clear in an OnlyFans light what you're choosing to put out in the public versus what you're doing when you start an Instagram. You don't know, really know what you're getting into. Um, when you talk about, you know, in that regard. So, that, I mean, that's, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but, yeah. No, it's perfectly understandable. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of these girls who are in college and creating OnlyFans to get some extra cash are going to look back when they have a kid who pulled up a sex tape of them 20 years down the line and, and regret it. Well, I think that goes back to, I, I think that's just how... Not it's a narrow-minded point of view on um, not narrow-minded. I'm sorry, that sounds kind of. I'm not trying to be like oh, no. offensive. Here. Go ahead. Um, I think that it's a limited point of view. Yeah, it's becoming more socially acceptable for things like this, and I think that's a good thing. I mean, you know, they say like prostitution is like the oldest form of work, right? Um, the oldest occupation. Like that's a joke, but also like it's it's true in a way. Like sex work exists. And always will, always has. And, like, I think that, you know, normalizing it, it isn't a bad thing. Um, you know, maybe some people will regret it, but, again, it's their personal choice. And I think that down the line, like, um, a thing like this where more, more and more people have it um, normalizes it for everyone, which makes it, you know, less dangerous and less... Um, uh, socially stigmatized um, for in the future like you know people won't um, be, be denied jobs maybe for you know doing something at like 
uh, a time where it was all they could do, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree I think with you 100%. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to see the evolution, you know, back in the day when social media started and very popular uh, people, you know, you, there were popular kids and they had like, oh my God, you know, so-and-so has 300 followers, what the hell, you know, that kind of thing. And sometimes you'd be like, people would make a fake account of that person. I don't know if you remember this. And they'd be like, no, that's not me. That's not me, guys. That's not me. We're just trying to, you know, and seeing that now where I'm seeing people that I was acquainted with in school, like fake OnlyFans being made of them. I'm like, what the hell? That's just such a weird reality to me, you know? Um, I don't know if you've ever seen anything. You've seen what I'm talking about specifically, but yeah, oh it's yeah, I saw that last fake OnlyFans. Um, yeah, and I know it's definitely a thing. Um, a friend of mine says he knows, like, you know, there are people who do that. They just make fake. Just to make a quick buck, make a quick buck before he gets yeah. taken down. Yeah, yeah, because it's you know, yeah. it's a for sure guaranteed way to make money, and it's kind of like it's a little worrisome because you know there's some areas of you know profession where someone could you know have this happen to them where someone makes like a fake OnlyFans account of them and it could really like damage even if it's you know even if there's nothing there to you know show for it right i feel like it's not only damaging for like someone's like i don't know like professional future but also like you know mental health i would be I would I would feel devastated if I found right. like something like that. Especially if like Ben was saying, where it's a means of survival for some people, mm-hmm. and then down the line when you're doing better in life and you want to get a, a job at you know a business place or a law firm or something, and you can't get it because they associate your name with an OnlyFans. They're like, we can't have that on our on our plate, you know. Yeah. And anyway, I think I think we kind of covered that. I, I I'm trying not to like preach because I'm not a woman and. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, there I'm are not a woman, and I'm not that, uh, in that yeah. unfortunate position, or fortunate position if you, if you like doing it, you know, whatever. But the point is, social media continues to evolve in every facet of our lives, and uh, I'm not trying to shame anybody, but you know, it's it's interesting to see this progress. Right, and um, I actually want to bring up a topic we were talking about yesterday is uh the topic of deep fakes um and that's it ties into how scary technology is you talk about fake only fans deep fakes are are what scares the hell out of me oh yeah right and uh before i want to make sure everybody listening knows what a deep fake is right Um, a deep fake is a video where they use little tiny dots on a person's face person's face to make them appear as if they're another person and they use video and uh editing to transform your face into that of another person so i could make my face look like barack obama's face yeah and it has a troubling kind of implication on our i mean our society specifically also our political system where not only, I, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but there's this thing called the uh, Adobe, oh my god, I'm forgetting the name. It's called Adobe something. It's a new program by Adobe that they were going to release that basically is a vocal synthesizer. And they need like a few seconds, if that, of someone's voice 
and you can they can just they, there's a demonstration you can watch it on YouTube. You can look at it, it was with Jordan Peele. Yeah, that shit is scary. Yeah, no, Darian actually showed it to me. Shout out to Darian. But um, literally, you could they they just they did it. They took a clip of him talking, analyzed it with the program very quickly, and they just typed in a sentence that was not anything like what he had said, and it <laughs> sounded like he was saying it. You know, and you combine that technology with deep fakes. You can make anyone say anything or look like they're saying anything. And that's yeah, absurd. It's absurd. And, um, you know, deep fakes were originally like a big issue where with like kind of, you know, people are turning it into like porn, putting someone's faces on someone's face on like someone else's body. But I remember seeing something last year and it was like the the potential like political dangers that deep fakes could bring by like you know you could basically have the president make like a message and say like i think the example they used was like something about like a bombing of a country like you could have you know basically make someone of power say something that right. could potentially actually lead to like danger and <laughs> you know right. and something and not you, good. Pair, you you pair that with you know maybe it'll it's hard enough it's going to be hard enough to detect that in our own country, I'm sure. But maybe if it's, like, even in a third-world country where, once again, you know, you put it into hand-in-hand with Facebook, something like Facebook, where it's a propaganda machine that is unmitigated, and you pair it with that, like you said, you could just make it sound like the fucking U.S. is declaring war. And you could have the people of a country just thinking that something is happening when it's not. You guys and, uh, saw that from... Oh, I don't mean to cut you off, but you guys it. saw that Trump got his um, Twitter hacked the other week, right? Yeah, I, I don't know what ended up happening, but I heard he got Well, if you paired a Twitter hack of Trump with a deep fake of him declaring war right. uh, and just posted it on his account, do you know how many nations would lose their shit in an instant? Yeah, a lot. And, and, and it would be believable based on his past actions because he's not the most rational. Right. So it would yeah, no, I mean. Show. Um, to kind of pair it back to, to movies, um, there is a, the way I see it, kind of, way that they've been playing it with the deep fake technology, and a way that it could go that is not as uh, creative. I don't want to say positive. Okay, I mean, we've all seen Marvel movies where they use de-aging um, on actors for a portion of the movie. You know, you saw it in Civil War with Robert Downey Jr., you see it in other ones, uh, Ant-Man with Michael Captain Douglas. Marvel. Oh. Captain Marvel, where the whole movie Samuel Jackson was made to look like he was 40 or 30. Um, and that is like, that's just kind of, you know, whatever. You can have your thoughts about that. It's seemingly wholesome or whatever you want to call it. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's weird on a creative level, perhaps, or a critical level. But, I mean, and that's a form of deepfake technology. And, and you could have movies they're making a movie about i think is it dean martin or the whole movie sorry james dean (laughs) james dean they're making a full james dean movie from footage that doesn't exist it's all going to be him with a deep fake face on a different actor that sounds so stupid right but the point is that can you like if james dean can't like you know he can't consent to having his body be put in this well, movie. Apparently, I think it's his if it's his state. It's yeah, his state yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, Dude, that's I would hate that. That'd be so disrespectful. 
Like, well, just, the just let me die in peace. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, and that's the thing you have to think about, the other side of that. I mean, you could replace an existing movie with a different actor if you wanted to and sell that cut, you know? Oh, you didn't like this actor playing fucking Iron Man, or you didn't like Keanu Reeves playing Neo? We can replace him with this actor, and we're going to sell this cut uh, digital. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so yeah. many implications in different ways that this could go. Um, and I think that's just really, really interesting, and it's pretty, you know, could be scary. Oh, definitely. We've covered a lot of different topics. It's been an interesting podcast. We've started kind of uh, unsure of ourselves. We weren't sure where this was going to go. I think, uh, I think I re- we talked about some interesting topics. Kind of perspectives that we got. and Yeah, and everyone kind of got to open up in their own way, and I appreciate everyone doing that on a stupid podcast. Um, I hope you had fun playing video games while you were talking. It was really... <laughs> um, it's called no, multitasking, Nabil. You could have invited me. <laughs> um but yeah no this this was great any last parting thoughts um i mean i guess like tie we we didn't do a super great job tying it into movies but you know hey who says it's all about films you know at least we talked we brought up dinner with schmucks so i feel like i think i think the uh from the 40 percent point on we we did a fine job tying in with movies and my whole idea with this was that it wouldn't have to even yeah. so yeah, that yeah. considered uh, I think we did pretty well this is uh, you know this is meant for the viewers to have a have a nice snack before the next the next big review oh, oh yeah next one's gonna be fun Austin Powers yeah baby oh yes oh yeah baby uh, when are you guys watching hey, the uh, second and third films um we uh we already. Some of us have already seen the second one, or rewatched it. Some of us, and uh, the third one will be coming up next, uh, maybe day or so, day or two. Ooh. Yo, would, yep. Do I make you horny, baby? <laughs> oh yeah. I caught him. I caught him speechless, bro. He didn't even know how to. He respond. did. I was trying to think of a reference to respond with, but I was just like. All I could think about was... Let's say, oh, behave. Oh, behave. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, my spy in the Ministry of Defense, fat bastard. (laughs) First things first, where's your shitter? (laughs) I got a turtle head poking out. It's making me all emotional. Um, But yeah, no, it's going to be fun. Guys, we're living a crazy time. Borat references are back in. Austin Powers (laughs) references are back in. What's next, you know? Shrek reboot you know, schmucks soon. sequel. <laughs> I'll actually breakfast with schmucks. Is what's next? Have what in your life? Meaning in my life. That's what's next. Um, dude, we have meaning, and it's to record more filmatic podcasts. Yeah, that's our meaning in life. <laughs> no, but Just we know it's gonna blow up one of these days. The podcast is kind of it is blowing up. We had a. Actually, I should mention that I really should. Uh, I was we were featured in the uh, newest edition of Torch, Pine Torch. So <laughs> interesting. If you if you couldn't if you couldn't move on from high school before, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why but, start now? Why start now? But uh, no, uh, all jokes aside, really grateful that we're being exposed to children like that. 
Yeah. And uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. See, but... we'll have a bunch of our our audience demographic will go down a little bit. <laughs> we'll have to make some more kid friendly jokes. Since <laughs> yeah. they're a lot more. Um... So yeah, Austin Powers is next. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, thank you to uh, Brianna Nelson at the uh, the Torch for for reaching out to me and doing an interview and a story. So yeah, it's awesome. It's cool. I love Pine View. I love Pine View. I love. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I love yeah, that is relationship it, for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's more like it. Is there anything that anyone wants to plug before we get out of here? My uh, butt. Just... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Great mind. Butt plug, Jerry. That's Dad. not PG. That's not PG. <laughs> that's for all, our, that's for all our Pineview, <laughs> Pineview listeners. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Evan Lamole from Pineview. I like to, I like uh, to believe that, uh, that. Our, our dear old principal maybe saw the article on his porch and he's, he's listening in right now. Right, this is his first his first introduction. <laughs> Let's see what those boys are doing. <laughs> oh, this is pretty great. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what? Look. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Only fans. <laughs> no, but, uh, timely topics. Timely topics. All right, so anyone doesn't have anything ben do you want to plug something you've been pretty quiet these last few minutes ben yeah, i'm sorry um you know i'm just excited for the austin powers podcast um i've never watched them um, before now and um they're pretty damn good so i i'd highly recommend um i uh you know mike myers overall pretty great you gotta love shrek you gotta love cat in the hat all of them watch all of them i just watched shrek the musical last night i'm writing a paper on it Pretty good musical too. It's on Netflix. So Check it out. When you left the call last night and said you had to watch a play for your uh, schoolwork, <laughs> you went to watch Shrek the Musical. I did watch Shrek the Musical. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, guys, continue entering in that giveaway. Check out Instagram. We already have two contenders, so it's, it's getting tight. It's getting close. My uh, plug. Um, I, I got a plug. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's specifically calling out one person. Oh. Please do not Snapchat me anymore. I do not want to. <laughs> going to definitely censor that. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wait, how are you gonna? <laughs> she lives in Sarasota. Oh my god! Please stop. Have I told you this story, Evan? Oh, it's such a funny. <laughs> story. Oh, and it'd be really quick, really quick, really quick. So one day. I get added by username by this girl. This was like last December. And I remember, I noticed the name because as she I was already, and somehow, some way, she was under the impression that I was going to but I'm underage. I'm only 19 right now. I was 18 at the time. I have. Yeah, why would so you? I, I couldn't. So she snapchats me and she's like, hey, are you Sam Moss? Uh, <laughs> No. no. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. Do you guys know the uh, Richard Nixon meme that I, that was sent? The I am not Sam Moss. <laughs> no. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I'll send I'll send it to you. I think it's it's one of my favorite pictures. But I sent her a meme. Back oh wait. And she was like, yeah, I do. And not. She, just, <laughs> she asked me to. Damn. All that for a drop of white cloth. <laughs> <laughs>
And I just I just asked her if she was stupid. And then <laughs> Oh my god, Jesus. Alright. Um so yeah. Thanks for that, Sam. <laughs> You're welcome. Great story. Great story. Uh, Sam, Sam, you are more than welcome to come back anytime, especially for the Austin Powers podcast. Um, I would love to. I think having you would make it the perfect number. I think it would be one, two, three, four, five people, including myself, maybe six if Annie joins. So that's perfect. Uh, yeah. So everybody, thank you for listening to this very special and very new episode of Filmatic. Um, if you liked the format, let us know. If you didn't, let me know. Uh, we can do more or less of this, but I promise there's going to be more formats in the future either way. And uh, once again, I'd like to thank my, my guests, Evan Lamolier, Ben Casey, and Sam Moss. Uh, this has been Nabil Sharif. If you're listening to Filmatic, you can follow us on at Filmatic Podcast on Instagram, uh, at Nabil Sharif on Instagram, and uh, I'll link... I'll link these guys' uh, social medias below. Um, ben, what's your OnlyFans name? What's the name you use for your OnlyFans? Um, uh, it's... Uh, Mandinga. Wait, Ben, do you have an OnlyFans? OG uh, Mud Ben. <laughs> That's Thank a great you. one. Okay. Uh, I'll go ahead and link that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Let's do a funny outro, guys. Um, Bye! Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.